Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. It will be on the screen. It will be in your own Bibles or the Pew Bibles, Pew Bibles, page 1171. And it is titled, Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The word of the Lord. And I'm going to pray for Amanda as she comes in her Pentecostal red. It's Pentecost today. My mum always wears Pentecostal red. That's why I know. Anyway, Holy Spirit, will you bless Amanda's talk to us this evening? Um, We pray for her words and her heart to flow freely and inspired by your Holy Spirit. Um, And we thank you for her preparation this week. um, And and we pray for your heart to be upon us all as we learn about your spirit more um, and how we can live it out in our day-to-day lives. Um, Thank you for Amanda's service and her love of this congregation. And uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jess. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Amanda. If you don't know who I am and I'm very happy tonight to be continuing with the series Spirit, the life of God in us and looking at those beautiful and very precious fruit of the Spirit. And I think ever since I was very little, I've always loved trees. Uh, In fact, I love God's creation and autumn. Isn't it just beautiful at the moment with the colours? It's absolutely stunning. Um, I never cease to learn from God's creation and always feel blessed by it. And when we take the time to pause in the midst of our busy lives, then watch and listen and wait. We can be amazed at what we see and hear and notice. There is a story about a young spindly tree growing in a forest. God planted this tree very quickly and they did look lovely. 
But when the people ate the fruit that grew on these trees, the fruit was so sour that they had to spit it out. Then a big storm came and these trees planted by the people of the village fell to the ground, crushed by the wind and the rain. But the little tree planted by God had survived the storm and when drought came, it still stood unharmed because unbeknown to the people of the village, the roots of this little spindly tree had over time begun to creep towards the crystal clear stream which could be heard gently weaving its way around the forest floor, bubbling, chatting and laughing as it went, nurtured and fed by an unseen powerhouse, a great body of water miles upstream. Over time, this little tree drank the pure water from that stream and it slowly grew in strength and stature because of its connection to the water. And many years passed, seasons came and seasons went and the little tree planted by God became gnarly and old but it would produce the most luscious fruit which fed the people in the village and the animals and the birds of the forest for generations to come. Because its roots were being fed by the purest of streams in the depths of the forest, it had life flowing through its veins and with its gnarly branches reaching to the sky, it stood solid Still, noble and silent, as though in prayer. Though life's storms had deeply scarred this little tree, the sweetness of its fruit was breathtaking and without equal. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says this, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Everyone here and those watching online, The most precious work the Holy Spirit does in each of us is hidden. God does his best work in us where no one sees and it takes time. It's like when he formed us in the depth of the earth. In Psalm 139, it talks about this, that he saw our unformed body and He breathed life upon us. Now, as believers, we have his Holy Spirit within us. And in the beginning, God said, remember, let there be light. 
Now after years of pain and rebellion and when our hearts have reawakened to God and we've repented and surrendered our lives to him, he says again in a way, let there be light. But this time he breathes the light of his presence upon us and it lives. he lives within us. It is so profound when we think about what God does in us through his Holy Spirit. When the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to Galatians, which we heard that read by Beth tonight about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul was very distressed because the believers had drifted away from the simple message of the gospel. This is that we are declared righteous before God as a free gift of his grace through faith in Jesus. We can't add to it and we can't take anything away. Grace is a gift and if we want to be like Jesus, his character cannot be produced by us, but only in us by our friend, Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are not emotions. This fruit is not produced by the flesh. We can't conjure it up. The fruit of the Spirit are not works of the law. Worship is fruit. Giving is fruit. Leading someone to Jesus is fruit. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruit. So fruit is the proof of our salvation. Let me say this fruit again. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Beautiful, aren't they? The Apostle Paul contrasts these with the sins of the flesh, some of which are sexual immorality. And I'm kind of thinking in this day and age, I feel for a lot of you young people with the very easy access to pornography. And I want to say straight out, it is vile and disgusting We have to get it out of our system and pray that God gives us strength and courage to not look. Sins of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, witchcraft, drunkenness and the like. Paul says that those who habitually practice these things will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, you can't have both in your lives. The closer we come to Jesus, the more repulsed we become of these things. And yeah, sure, we all make mistakes, all of us. And God is forgiving by his grace. But I think the Apostle Paul is trying to say, it's not cheap grace. It's not cheap. To be led by the Spirit is to change and be changed to the people we were designed to be. The Spirit of God creates something new. He slowly melts our heart of stone that rebels against God and he puts in us a new heart which trusts and follows his ways. We become permeated by his character, animated by his spirit because of his work of grace in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These words are pretty unspectacular. Don't you think? But don't be fooled. The Apostle Paul sets out in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. He he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, different from the fruit. Gifts of the Spirit like prophecy, speaking in tongues, 
the gift of healing, etc. Now, let me make this clear. All of these are amazing gifts and are to be used for his glory. However, sadly, and I've experienced this, these gifts have often been spotlighted and performed in some churches and conferences, and many people flock to the excitement of these gifts. And again, from experience I've had, sadly, if you don't have the character of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit being the foundation in your life, pride can easily take root or your minds can be totally messed up and you can fall away from God when hard times come. So they may be exciting, but the fruit of the Spirit is a powerhouse. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that all these gifts of the Spirit are empty and hollow without the greatest of all gifts, love. You can be a theological genius without the Spirit. You can give all your money away to the poor, but you may not have any love. You may not have the Spirit of love. You can prophesy to your heart's content, but if you have no love, you're an empty vessel. See, these fruits are not spotlighted or performed. They may not glitter, but oh, they are gold. The fruit of the Spirit is a hidden treasure which grows silently yet beautifully within the depth of your soul once you are connected to Jesus. And Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. Some of us may think we can just waltz along with one foot in the world and the other in God, and, but a superficial connection is fruitless. Some of us don't want to connect our roots to the life-giving stream like my little tree in the story did. We are content with the drips that come from afar. We hear about Jesus on Sunday maybe, leave the praying and the Bible reading to whoever is leading in the church, then we'll spend the week not even thinking about God. So we're not growing or changing and we keep going back to bad habits. Unless we take our faith seriously and start reading his word and connecting with him in prayer, then we're doomed to frustration and ignorance There will come a time when no amount of children or grandchildren, no amount of academic or theological prowess or amount of money will satisfy the deepest longings in our hearts for God. There is a story that I find very confronting, but I love it in Matthew 21, where Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem after being in Bethany and he's hungry and he sees a fig tree. And he walks towards his fig tree, but he finds no fruit on it except leaves. And he says to the tree, may you never bear fruit again. And it withers and dies. Jesus is tender and he's loving. But don't forget, he's powerful. (laughs) You see, I don't want to be someone with lots of leaves, but no fruit. I don't want to bear all the signs of being a Christian but have no substance, just to be hollow and empty. So where do I start? Well, maybe you've been a Christian for years or maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you're searching. 
Why don't you begin by gently getting to know Jesus, just gently, through sidling up to some mature people in the faith. Start reading the Bible. Maybe one of the Gospels is a good start. You might think, oh, I've read the Gospels so many times. Read them again. This time, don't skim over them, line by line. When you come across a beautiful story of an encounter like Jesus with the woman at the well or Jesus with a paralytic, stay with it. Stay with it. You'll find treasure in it. Uh, There was a time a couple of years ago when I was walking our little dog um, down Derby Street and I started to say Psalm 23 because I think a a lot of us may know that off by heart. And I started saying, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I found myself skimming over it, just saying it. And I said, Holy Spirit, would you please help me learn what this psalm means? And oh boy, months later he did. Do you know the Lord is my shepherd? You could spend a whole year on that one line. It's so precious. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So don't skim over it. Oh, ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart and let him see the beauty in each line, the depth of every word. Immerse yourself in it. Pray over it. Drink it in. See so much beauty in in the words until it's part of the fabric of your very being and you can't wait to pick up the Bible again the next day. And when you pray, why don't you linger there? Wait on God. Ask him to open the eyes of your heart. Say, Lord, mold me, shape me, delight me, captivate me. Oh, Holy Spirit, sing over me. The best thing in the universe is to be united to Jesus and to be in Jesus. Your precious soul is a jewel waiting to sparkle and come alive by the breath of the one who made you. Holy Spirit is not a thing and he's not an it. He's a person, the third person of the Trinity and he's delightful and he's powerful and he's gentle. He expands us. He enlarges our minds and the fruit that the Spirit grows in us are Love, joy, peace. If I could just stop on that word peace for one moment. The horrible things happening with all the bombs with Palestine and Israel at the moment. We, We may think of that peace and war, but I'm more thinking of the war that can rage in us. Don't we crave peace? The deep seated peace, shalom, that only He can give us. Some of us may feel anxious right now about what's happening in the world. Some of us may feel afraid of saying the wrong thing because in our culture now everything we say is scrutinised and we all put each other in a box. Maybe some of us are fighting. We're fighting to be healthy mentally or physically. We're, we're fighting to be known or noticed. We're, we're fighting to be, to be loved. We're fighting to make our way in the world. Oh, Peace occurs 80 times in the New Testament. That's how important The Lord wants us to have his peace. You can't buy it and you can't conjure it up. I love that beautiful story in the Gospel of Luke about Mary and Martha. And Mary seemed to do everything wrong. 
She wasn't helping her sister serve the food and she was sitting in a room at the feet of Jesus when only men were allowed to be in that room to listen to a rabbi teach. And Martha was so distressed. And this is nothing about against hospitality because hospitality is very important. So Martha's gift was beautiful. But in this moment in time, Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What was she doing? All she was doing was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his every word. It seems so simple, doesn't it? But then my mind goes to the Gospel of John when this same Mary, I think, through sitting at the feet of Jesus and growing to love him completely, grabbed all she possessed, pure nard worth a year's wages and went up to him, not worrying what everyone thought and fell at his feet and broke the jar and anointed his feet with all that she owned and started to wipe his feet with her hair. So beautiful. Someone once said that Mary had the quiet of God in her heart. That's not wimpy. There's a power there. Mary was a woman of faith. Why? Because she spent time with Jesus. I yearn for that quiet and that peace. Do you? John Stott, who was a wonderful Christian leader and Anglican cleric, said this about the fruit of the Spirit. The mere recital of these Christian graces should be enough to make the mouth water and the heart beat faster, for this is a portrait of Jesus Christ. And let's look at this. The fruit of the Spirit are life-giving. They speak of gentle strength, of humility. They bear the fragrance of Christ. Jesus displayed perfect love. By giving himself for us on the cross. He experienced perfect joy. He says in the Gospel of John, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And Jesus is faithful. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Jesus had self-control, another one of the great fruit of the Spirit. In Matthew 26, it said he could have called thousands of angels to help him, but he didn't when he was hanging on the cross, dying the most excruciating death. He was harassed, but he said nothing. He was beaten, mocked and cursed, and he never said a word. Instead of calling down wrath on his accusers, and he could have, he's cleverer and more powerful than anything and anyone who's ever lived. But instead, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And I often feel so moved at the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, who he was, just often makes me feel absolutely mm, rendered speechless. I started reading the Bible as a little girl. And I thought Jesus to be the bravest, kindest, most tender, strongest, captivating person I'd ever read about. And he is. And the older I get, he's that and so much more. I love his honesty and righteous anger. I love the way he noticed everyone. Like Not one of you, there's some of you here tonight who feels that no one cares about you or 
you feel like no one knows what you're going through, he knows. He knows. I love the way he cut through the stench of religion with his piercing eyes and his wild heart. There's no one like him. I love the way he embodied love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These may not shine like neon lights, but they are silent powerhouses with the ability to change, change lives and alter circumstances. But you know, it takes discipline to get to know him more. To pick up your Bible and read it and to sit and pray. But the more you do it, believe me, the more, you, the more you're going to want to do it. No one was ever the same after being in the presence of Jesus. All the disciples except for John were martyred for their faith because Jesus had so changed and captivated them. He showed love when all was dark and unlovely. Jesus was kind when there was misery and despair. He was not power hungry, but humble, not aloof, but one who looked deeply into the eyes of those he encountered and they were never the same again. Jesus did not take the world by force, but he gave his life in love, dying and rising for us all. That's amazing. And I want to tell you a little story now about the tenderness of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. And Nick and I, about 10 years ago, spent a year working in a church in the UK. And when we'd finished that time, we were, we were traveling around England. It was beautiful. And we were at the Lake District. And on this particular Sunday, we went into an old grey stone church. And there would have been about 15 to 20 people there and it was very flat. We we're walking in and people were just going, morning, morning, you know, morning, morning, and just shuffling in. There was this kind of not a lot of energy happening here. And I don't think the church could afford a minister, and so they had a guest preacher coming. But the amazing thing is, as soon as we were told to stand to sing the first hymn, down the middle aisle they came, and this will look silly, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. This Robin Redbreast. He flew down the aisle and he sat on this banner and his tail flicked and he just looked at everybody. And I can say, and you can ask Nick at the end, I'm not telling a lie, every person suddenly put their shoulders back and we all became like little children and there was this collective, <gasps> and every eye lit up. And for the rest of the service, we're all looking for this little creature. Where is he now? And this cheeky little thing, he was, he was on the banners and he was on the pulpit, on the lectern, the man preaching. Poor man, no one ever remembered anything he said that morning. And he picked this up and he was really angry. He was going, trying to shoot. I was going, no, don't hurt him, don't hurt him. And this little Robin, I thought, what is he doing? And then near the end of the service, Nick nudged me and said, Amanda, look behind you. And someone, because I've painted birds for years and I adore birds, because it's God's creation. I love every little feather, every little sparkle in the eye. Oh, I just love to paint them, copy them, because God's the mastermind. But I looked around, and there, this close to me, was the robin. And he flicked his little tail, and he was so close to me, I could see his little heart beating. And I could see him breathing. 
And he had like a little heart shape, this orange, which I could never match with paint. It was so exquisitely beautiful. And he looked up into my eye like this. And in that moment, oh my gosh, it ceased to be just like a little bird. And I knew that Holy Spirit had come to visit us in that church that day. And I have to say, every heart was encouraged. Every person was filled with a sense of wonder. All the burdens of life for that one hour just seemed to be lifted off our shoulders because the amazing thing is our Holy Spirit, he can come in fire, but he can come in tenderness. He can come in power, but he can come in the unexpected little things. But you know what? We will see him if we open our eyes and really see. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our eyes this week to the simple beauties where you may come and land near us in unexpected ways and bless our hearts. I have to say that over many years, and I'm sure many of you here would be able to have a testimony about Holy Spirit's friendship and comfort in your life. Personally, I've had many years of of very bad pain, back pain, and I actually, I have it now. I've had it for the last couple of weeks, very intense. Through incredible pain, through immense disappointments in my life and times of grief, as all of us experience, I can honestly say Holy Spirit has been my most precious friend. He hears every cry for help and he's collected and held every tear that I've cried. And I know that he does the same for each one of you. The bullies and the loud voices and the power hungry in our world will pass away. But after 2,000 years, the fruit of Jesus' life still lingers like a beautiful song through his Holy Spirit, singing over every corner of despair. So when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, I think of Jesus. And I want to be like him. Do you? We don't know how long we've got on this earth. Actually, don't know whether to finish with this or not, but opposite us yesterday, it really shook me up. I came out of the food store after having my little coffee for the morning and there were ambulances everywhere. And there was someone who had died just outside Hotel 115. And um, someone came and said, it's a young woman who was walking a dog. And a couple of us stood there over the road and watched while this wonderful man just kept, you know, who was a doctor here, just kept 15 minutes and I texted Nick, I said, Nick, I'm oh, sorry, really um, quite moves me. I said, pray, Nick, pray, pray now. There's a young woman and, and um, yeah, she just needs your prayer. And this man kept going, going, 15 minutes, then he'd stop. And going, going, going. And the little dog was standing there like this. And, oh, in that moment, this man next to me, young man, and I sort of said, we have to pray. Let's pray. He was just looking at me like, is she weird or what? But I thought, I don't care in this moment. And, and like other people came and said, what's happened? We all stood together. In that moment in time, everyone said, 
take care, won't you, as we all walked away. Take care. Yeah, okay. And I've got to say, I don't want to be morbid, but you know what? We don't know when our last day is on this earth. It's not necessarily when you're going to be 92. And I don't, as I say, I don't want to be morbid, but don't waste time. Other things can wait. This most beautiful being, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, so patient, one of the fruit of the Spirit, he stands waiting. And he loves, he loves us all so much. And he watches as we go about our lives and, you know, one foot here and one foot there, you know. And he longs for us to be devoted to him. He longs. He says, come. Like Jesus says, come to me. No one, nothing else can help you but me. Come. Come, my precious son. Come, my precious daughter. So I want to ask you tonight, in particular, this is the last time I'm actually preaching in this church. Oh, my God. Before we leave, I just want to plead, ask you, if you've never made a firm decision to follow Jesus, would you search your heart tonight? Don't worry if you've been doing stuff or you've been up to... The Lord knows and he is a God of grace. He wants you to know his love and joy. He wants you to be released from your burdens of fear your burdens of anxiety, whatever else is troubling you and from your sin, would you come? His love is so beautiful and so precious and when the world beckons, he stands there waiting in all his beauty and all his majesty and all his love. Do you know that every one of you in this room so precious, You've heard this saying before, but that he would die for you even if you were the only one in this world. Don't be afraid. Come to Jesus. And I know that Nick and myself and Harry and anyone next to you will all be so more than happy to pray with you tonight. It would be our absolute joy. So let me say, you are all alive in your generation. Don't compare yourselves with others. You are unique and you're meant to be here. Seek him, pray, give him all your love and know that he will never leave you or forsake you. As the band comes up, could you please just close your eyes and let's just have just a little little moment of, Silence. Let us wait upon Holy Spirit. Lord, I can see in my mind, just like that stream in the story that was weaving its way around the forest floor. I see you, Holy Spirit, weaving your way around the church, touching the hearts of all these dear ones here, saying it's okay, don't be afraid. 
It's a new day. It's a new time. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you sing over the lives of all of us here tonight with your love and may that beautiful melody of forgiveness, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, may it weave through our very soul that beautiful melody of love. Change us, Lord. Fill us with your fire. Fill us with your tenderness. And I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that everyone in this room will be everything you've made them to be. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in these precious lives as it is in heaven. I pray you'd protect us all and deliver us from evil and that you would bring the gifts that you have planted within us to the surface. You would fill us with purpose, that we would know the goodness of our Lord in our lives every day and that we would be beacons of light wherever we go. Fill us with courage. Fill us with strength. And I pray, whether we see a little robin in our lives or not, Dearest Holy Spirit, may we be filled with wonder at who Jesus is and never cease to be captivated by him. In your wonderful and beautiful name, I pray. Amen.